0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of the Scowing Long podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got an awesome show for you today. I've been teasing this one for a couple of weeks now. We are going for it all. I brought on JD Pluitt and Shane Potter, the co hosts of the Flock Pod, two good friends of mine. We tried to answer the question of who is the greatest Oregon duck of all time? It is an incredibly complicated question and one that, truthfully, doesn't have one single answer. It's, uh, it's completely subjective, it's difficult to quantify, and it got pretty contentious down the stretch. So what we did was we created a 32-person bracket uh, with who I deemed worthy to begin contention for the greatest duck. That, in itself, was very tough to do because there was, you know, a dozen athletes or so who missed that cut that could have easily been involved. However, we got a bracket of 32, we divided it into four regions, and we worked it down until we got a final winner. This pod is a bit longer than usual, but I think it is among the best that we've put out on this feed, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, I am incredibly excited for this. I've got my good friends JD Pluid and Shane Potter joining me, co hosts of the Flock Pod, one of the best Oregon podcasts out there going right now. If you don't already, please go check it out. JD, we were just hanging out this weekend, but how are you doing, man?
1: Doing very well. Doing, doing very well. You know, we're having a a goat conversation today, so I had to rock my goat's jersey, (laughs) you know, for, for the convo today. Just felt appropriate. But no, life is good, man. Life is good. Thanks for having us. Appreciate
0: it. We're already starting arguments. Aren't we? I had to. We're already. Had to. <laughs> <laughs> you make, you make me want to go grab my Dylan Brooks jersey then. <laughs> Oh no. Let's not get into that yet. Shane, it's Shane, it's probably been a little bit tough for you with all of the losing that Oregon basketball is currently doing, but how is your daily fight against the Oregon Twitter trolls going? I just Ooh, wanted to get an update you know, on that. You know, it's it's always a battle. Like
2: yeah, it but you you said it best. It's it's getting harder by the day.
0: <laughs> yes, it definitely is. All right, let's dive into the main event. Um, I've brought these guys on today to have a little bit of fun. We are going to try to decide who the greatest Oregon Duck of all time is. I know that's a a big task to take on, but I think that we're, I don't know, I think we'll we'll get down to a a pretty good answer today. As an ode to March Madness, which is something that I unfortunately don't know if either of the Ducks team are going to be able to participate in this year. We are going to do a bracket-style, uh, you know, tournament today between these, these 32 guys. So it's not a draft. It's not picking teams. It's 32-person seated bracket of who I have determined are the most worthy candidates for the Oregon greatest of all time. I'm not going to lie. This was a lot harder than I thought to put it together. Um, cutting it off at 32 players felt impossible determining seeding felt impossible and like making coherent regions felt pretty impossible, but you know, we made it here and hopefully it all works out and we get a clear winner in the end. So, um, you guys have not seen the bracket seeding yet. I have told you the 32 names, but you don't know matchups or or any of that. So are you guys ready for the bracket seeding? I'm going to send you a text with it right now and then we can, we can discuss all right, it has been oh, sent to you. Oh goodness! Oh, oh wow! Gosh. You even got full bracket Man. style and everything. All right, love it. Oh, so, wow. for the listeners, oh, wow. I will go through our through our regions and our four number one seeds. We aren't going to get into yeah. listing all thirty two, obviously, but so we start with the speed region, which the number one seed is Phil Knight, a notable track star. Track star, track alumnus, you know, Nike stars, I would say. Nike star. And you've got the uh, <laughs> the Hardwood Heroes region, which is Sabrina Ionescu is the number one seed. Oh. You've got the Golden Age region, which Marcus Mariota is the number one seed. And you have the Legends region, which uh, Steve Prefontaine is the number one seed. So that's what we're dealing with. Do you guys have any hot takes or opinions just based off the seed? This is
2: already way harder, <laughs> harder than, than I hard. thought. This is like, going to be so you, challenging. Yeah. This is what I was telling when you. When you sent us the list of names, I was like, okay, you know, like I, I was already kind of thinking, you know, kind of planning ahead what it was gonna kinda of look like, but woo, this first round, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of tough ones. I feel like we're exactly. gonna the debates are gonna come
0: come flying early. So speaking of debates, Shane, I wanted to make way for you real quick. We had a little bit of a debate already over one of the eight seeds. I put in Dylan Brooks in the eighth seed, I took out Ruthie Hebert, which I didn't feel good about, but I kind of wanted to just let the runway open for you because I know this was a tough choice. That's,
2: yeah, that is, bro, that is a real tough one for me. That's like picking between my kids there. Uh, Because I was, at first, I was like, you know, we got to get Dylan Brooks in. You know, I'm I'm probably higher on Dylan Brooks and a lot of other people, especially lately. It seems like uh, people are his stock is at an all time low. Um, post that like uh, undercarriage punch there, but um, yes. but yeah. But then I was like, we got we got to have Dylan Brooks in. He's got to be in. And then you tell me it's at the cost of Ruthie Hebert, and I'm like,
0: oh. <laughs> <Like,
2: laughs> like, yeah. I I did. I was the one on the record saying we got to have Dylan Brooks in, and uh, I you know. I think that may be the right call, but boy, does
0: that does that hurt. Just, it stings the eardrums to hear it. Don't feel good about it. Definitely do not feel good about it. All right, so rules for this. Pretty straightforward. We are going to go over each matchup, and quite simply we're going to vote on who we think we should get through. Three people, so it should be two versus one, and that's that. I don't anticipate any problems along the way, but if something does come up and we need, you know, uh, a surefire vote. I think that I will carry the ultimate sledgehammer as JD would on his podcast. Yes. So I'm I'm happy to finally have that role after being on the, the flock with you guys so many times. So um, with that being said, are you guys ready to go? Ready
2: as I'll ever be.
1: Let's rock and roll. Yeah, my goodness. All right,
0: so let's start in the top left with the speed region and the number one overall seed. You have Phil Knight versus the eight seed Solmon Raza. So Phil Knight, for those who I should say i shouldn't say those who don't know uh because everybody knows phil knight you got uncle phil co-founder of nike he's probably i would argue the most impactful duck of all time uh there is no current oregon without phil knight uh eight seed you got somon raza he's a eugene kid someone who i know personally very well i went to, to south eugene high school with him he sunk the national championship winning putt at eugene country club brought the first ever Oregon men's golf championship to Eugene um, against Texas. And I believe it was 2016. I don't have that year in front of uh, me, but so that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds 2016, right. 2017, 2017, one of those years. But so yeah, first matchup one verse eight, Phil Knight versus Salman Raza. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. I, I wanted Salman in there. Obviously a good friend of mine, someone I I've known for a long time, but any thoughts from you guys?
1: I mean, crazy impactful putt for sure. And I, you know, I worked for Raza's dad, shout out Direct Kick Soccer, you know, back in the day. So I met Raza or met Suman when he was a a little guy, too. But yeah, this is a slam dunk. It's got to be Phil. Yeah,
2: I'm 100% going Phil. Uh, (laughs) What what the university has looked like since Phil really came in and got really hands on with the program and, you know, really turned it into like the university of Nike, uh, I don't think that that can all respect to Solman. I don't I don't know him. Um I was aware he was on the team, but I was a I'm a bigger Aaron Wise guy anyhow. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going with Phil on this one. No disrespect though.
0: No disrespect. Alright, we will put Phil Knight through, no surprises there. Your four five matchup in the speed region, you've got Raven Rogers against DeAnthony Thomas. I know Thomas not a track star, but he's definitely a speed guy, so Raven Rogers, Olympic bronze medalist in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, fourth fastest 800-meter time in U.S. women's history, six-time NCAA champion, 10-time All-American, 800-meter three-peat champion, and the 2017 Bowerman Award winner, which is kind of the track version of the Heisman Award. So, um, And then D'Anthony Thomas, seventh-rated recruit in Oregon history, most touchdowns by a true freshman in Oregon history with 18, He had two touchdowns, 314 all-purpose yards in the 2012 Rose Bowl. He's 19th on UO's career rushing list with 41 touchdowns, 1890 yards. So that's your matchup. Any thoughts from you guys? This is a tough one out the
2: gate. Um, You know, like, you know, immediately I was kind of like, oh, it's got to be D'Anthony. You know, just what he meant to the school and, you know, being this uh, kind of like high-profile incoming freshman from like, Snoop Dogg being, you know, one of his mentors and helping him choose his university. So I was Im- initially kind of leaning that, but the more I thought about it, I think I'm going to vote Raven Rogers on this one. Um, going to the Olympics and competing at that high of level where D'Anthony Thomas kind of fizzled out at the next level, um, which is un- unfortunate. I mean, this it's, it's hard because it's like, what does it mean to the, the school while they were here or their entire career? But with Phil Knight being the number Absolutely. one seed, I'm kind of leaning into their entire career.
0: You know what I mean? So I think we definitely have to weigh in on the entire career. That's that's part of it all. I think it's got to be part of it. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with my,
2: mm-hmm. my vote with Raven Rogers on this one.
1: JD? Man, this is tough. I don't have a lot of, like, Oregon Duck jerseys anymore, you know, but one of the jerseys that hangs in my closet is a DeAnthony Thomas jersey. And, I mean, it's, it doesn't have his name on it, but it was number six. We made, like who's your Mamba shirts. You know, when I was, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit younger to support him, I got, I got to support my guy here. And I know he, he kind of fizzled out at the next level. He had a hard time in the NFL, but I got to go to Anthony Thomas here. I got to go dat run, dat run.
0: Wow. I love it. I get a tie breaking vote. This yeah, year. I think it's right going to happen more the the often than you think. <laughs> I know. I really think it is. I really think it is. I'm going with Raven Rogers. Uh, oh. Anthony thomas does not have his face up on the bowerman tower at hayward field i mean raven rogers is good point and whereas i don't want to say anything bad about that but it feels like his career is kind of over at this point raven rogers is still running olympics and still in the the competition every four years and at world championships every year so um i think that yeah i think she has i mean Going when I went through all the the record books and got all the information about these guys, I was kind of just shocked by how many times. I mean, just she she's done so much already in her young career. So yeah, I think we're gonna move Raven on to the next level. All right, all right, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's tough. I, I still don't and, feel good. And like good when about the, it.
2: with those track records, to still have like that fourth highest time with the rate in which these records are broken is really really impressive.
0: Absolutely. Yes, yep, yep. All right. This one is not going to get much easier. We've got the three versus six matchup. You got Galen Rupp versus Devin Allen. Galen Rupp, 2012 London Olympics silver medalist in the 5K, 2016 Rio de Janeiro bronze medalist in the marathon. He was the inaugural Bowerman Award winner in 2009. Then you got Devin Allen, the three time U.S. national champion in the 110 meter hurdles. Uh, he's got the 2014 NCAA championship of the 110 meter hurdles. He got fifth in 2016 Rio Olympics and fourth in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. So uh, that's your matchup. Who wants to go first? I'll go first.
2: Uh, I, I'm go- I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Da on this one. Um, I I just think that okay. You know he he's a little like the, the accolades are similar. You know what I mean? My tiebreaker is the cool factor. Devin Allen also played football, was also catching passes for Mariota. Um, and then his, you know, somewhat still in the NFL um, after, you know, his heartbreaking uh, loss or disqualification at the, uh, what was that, at the World Qualifiers? The World Games. World yeah, the Games World, world in, Games.
0: No, just the World World Championships. Yeah, with exam. that in the final with as that well.
2: false start that mm-hmm. was invisible to the human eye, which I still have so many yeah. questions about. So for those reasons, just that extra cool factor, even though he wasn't really laying the foundation as much as Galen Rupp did, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with DA on that one.
1: You know, I think on this one the the tiebreaker for me is if you walked around and just asked a random duck fan yes. who who met more to you or like who was the, the better athlete, I think you're gonna get Devin Allen more than more than mm-hmm. often than not. So for me that that's gonna be the tiebreaker because these two athletes are incredibly close, like Shane mentioned, just in their accolades and what they accomplished, what they really mean to the U of- I mean, if you go to a track duck fan, they're gonna say Galen Rupp, just because they know exactly what he meant to that distance program and what he accomplished. But yeah, I'm gonna go Devin Allen here too. Kinda similar, cool factor, fan factor, all that. So yeah, Devin Allen it is.
0: Yeah, it'd be a it'd be a clean sweep for us just because of exactly what JD just said. I think a part of this is it's not all accolades, but it's It's desire from a fan base, and it's love from a fan base. And and Devin Allen being part of the football team and being part of that Marcus Mariota generation and and still playing in the NFL right now, too. I mean, he almost got a Super Bowl ring on the Eagles practice squad this past year. But um, yeah, I think that he he definitely has that cool factor, like you guys were both saying. So we will happily move Devin Allen on. Um, This one, I don't know we'll have too much debate on this one, but the 2-7 matchup, you got Ashton Eaton versus English Gardner. Um, Ash Neaton, for those who don't know, world record holder in the indoor heptathlon still, previous world record holder in the outdoor decathlon, two-time Olympic gold medalist in London and Rio, seven-time gold medalist when you combine Olympics, outdoor world championships, indoor world championships, arguably the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, English Gardner on the other side. Olympic gold medalist in the 4x100 in Rio, Olympic silver medalist in the 2020 Tokyo 4x100, five-time NCAA champion, uh, eight-time All-American, 100-meter-time ranks inside the top 10 of all time. Um, I think I already have my vote, but I'm going to throw it to you guys.
1: Yeah, this one's got to be eaten. Yeah, it's. I mean, you said it right away. I mean, arguably the greatest athlete of all time. So Ashton Eaton. Yeah, it is. I
0: don't got anything to add to that. That's
2: that title alone kind of carries more weight than most things. So yeah, I'm gonna go in Ashton Eaton. Ashton Eaton's gonna make things interesting in a couple of rounds, though.
0: He is going to make things very interesting. That is a in a, that is a of wild card. All right, we are going to move down to the Golden Arrow region. So you got your one-eight matchup. You have Marcus Mariota against Jonathan Stewart. Um, This one hurts. This (laughs) one's really tough. Mariota, the only Heisman Trophy winner in Oregon history, the holder of almost every Oregon passing and touchdown record. He also ranks fourth on UO's career (laughs) rushing list. He has 136 total Oregon touchdowns. The next closest on that list has 108. Um, He's pretty much the winner of every award in 2014, and he was the number two overall draft pick in 2015. So... Then you have Jonathan Stewart, fourth highest rated recruit in Oregon history. He's number seven on Oregon's all-time rushing list, and he was the number 13 overall pick in the 2008 NFL Draft. Again, I don't think we are going to have much debate, but please, gentlemen, go ahead. Oh, man. Uh, From
2: Lacey, Washington. I mean, Jonathan Stewart was really like, you know, it sucks because he was the running back that really helped propel this program to, I think, where it's at now. Um, and then go on to the NFL. I, I mean, he had an amazing career down there in Carolina. I think if he was on a better team, we'd be having a, a little bit of a different conversation, but, uh, Marcus Mariota has more rushing yards than him. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Marcus somehow. It, yeah. That one, that one pains me, but gotta go Marcus.
1: Yeah. I love me some Jay Stu. I mean, there for a while, the Carolina Panthers were one of my side teams. So I was definitely rooting hard for him and, you know, loved his career in the NFL and loved his career at the you know, university of Oregon, but. I mean, come on, the flying Hawaiian. I mean, yeah. you got to go with the Marcus Mariota here. Come on.
0: Yeah, We'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about Marcus in the next few rounds, because I think he may be sticking around for a little bit. All right, your 4-5 matchup. You've got Dennis Dixon versus Royce Freeman. <sighs> uh, another really tough one. Dennis Dixon, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time All-Pac-10, uh, 2007 Pac-10 Player of the Year. He was kind of always viewed as what could have been more than what was because you had that injury in 2000, I believe it was 2007. Um, The Ducks were on their way to the BCS championship game. He was on his way to, you know, a Heisman Trophy. Uh, Royce Freeman, number one on UO Oregon career rushing list with 5,621 yards and 60 touchdowns. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year 2014 and he's the 15th highest rated recruit in UO history. Uh, Gentlemen, go ahead.
1: Man, I saw Dennis Dixon play as a gray shirt at one of the spring games, and you know how I love my predictions, gentlemen. But I said (laughs) he's going to be the next Akili Smith because that's exactly the kind of player that he reminded me of. And he, you know, maybe reached that plateau and then never able to take that next step just because injuries. You know, I'll never forget that Arizona game. Just watching him try to battle and play to just get destroyed. I gotta go. I mean, I love Royce Freeman again. The thickest thighs I've maybe ever seen, maybe besides Nick Chubb. You know, just just absolutely huge. But I gotta go with my guy Dennis Dixon here. You know, he's also a fun Instagram follow now. You know, I'm kind of a personal trainer in that mode, so his videos are entertaining and everything. And he did have an NFL career that. <clears throat> Accomplished quite a bit more than than Royce was able to do there for the Denver Broncos. I was really high on Royce coming to the NFL, especially in fantasy, and just did not yeah. live up to that expectation. So that <laughs> so, might
2: be so. So you lost in mind. your league because of him too.
1: In, <laughs> yes, I think I think a lot of Duck fans did. But yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. DD here, Dennis Dixon.
2: Oh man, I remember exactly where I was when that Dennis Dixon injury came down. Uh, I was with, I was in high school. We were in Corvallis for a basketball game, and it was post game. We were at a pizzeria. We were all sitting there watching that game. And it was like you could hear a pin drop in there. And it was funny being in Corvallis because, like, we were all super bummed out. And then all the people working were like, meh, you know what I mean? With their normal, like, beaver, <laughs> beaver shenanigans. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Royce was just captain consistency. You know, what he meant to the program at that time with so many things kind of changing. You know, with coaching staff and all this, it was like he was such like a nice guy to just rely on. That we knew that we were what we were going to get from him, and so much effort which what he which with which he ran. But it's it's tough, man. Dennis Dixon was going to win that Heisman. I there's no doubt in my mind. So I'm going yeah. with Dennis Dixon.
0: Wow. Okay. I thought I'd have a tiebreaker, but I would go with Royce Freeman because you know, really, I, I would. Wow. Yeah. I. I love Dennis Dixon, obviously he was my one of my favorite players growing up. And I still remember like the picture of him in the register guard the next morning of him just like crying on the sideline on the bench, just like that still is like imprinted in my brain. But I think just the, the longevity that Royce showed at Oregon is something that we haven't seen in a long time, and I don't think we ever will see again. Especially from a running back, the fact that he was able to be the starter and play so many games each year and, and get those sixty touchdowns and over five thousand yards, uh, I think that's that's really impressive. I don't know that I would have had him going deep into this this bracket, but I think that I would have gotten him out of the first round. But that's okay. I'm super happy to have Dennis there. Um, I think that wow, the next round with him against Marcus. <laughs> That'll be an interesting conversation as well. Alright, this 3-6 matchup I do not feel good about at all. <laughs> but I couldn't stop myself from seeding it this way because it just kinda makes sense. You got three seed Lamichael James, you got six seed Kenyon Barner. Um yeah, Lamichael James 2010 Doke Walker Award winner for the best running back in the nation. Pac-12 freshman of the year, number three in Heisman voting in 2010. He's number two on Oregon rushing lists with just over 5,000 yards, 53 touchdowns. Kenyon Barner, three-time Super Bowl champion, number three on UO career rushing list, holds record for most touchdowns in a season at Oregon, holds record for most touchdowns in a game at Oregon, five against USC, and holds record for most yards in a game at Oregon, 321 versus USC. This one, like I said, I don't feel good about it because these guys are two of the best Oregon running backs in history, but they are meeting up in the first round. What do you guys say?
1: This reminds me of watching Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go at each other in the all-star game. Just like two brothers, just like fighting it out. And just like the, I can just see them like entering a jousting arena and just going at each other, man. This is tough. Uh, really, really tough. Kenyon's career in the NFL kind of makes the conversation that much more challenging Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give LaMichael James the killer burger advantage here, and I'm going to go with uh, (laughs) LaMichael James in this matchup.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look at their accolades and their statistics, I mean, kind of just looking back on both of them on those same teams and really being that like one-two punch, it's really hard. I'm going to have to give the slight edge to LMJ on this one, just because of like the wow factor. I mean, every time he got the ball, you didn't know if it was going to be a lightning in a bottle situation. I always, whenever I think about his career, I think about that run against Tennessee where he kind of reversed yep. field and scored that <laughs> touchdown against the, <laughs> like, uh, no, the no, no. Line. What are
0: you doing? Oh yes. Keep doing that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it was. And I mean, he kind of just epitomized what that, like that chip Kelly era was like, you know, mm-hmm. they, he was just, he was so athletic and he was so versatile. And with that offense, it was just so fun to watch. It's, it's another one that really... This first round is brutal, man. This is
0: brutal. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm going and you guys, LMJ. And you guys know why I had so much trouble getting this bracket out in CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, this tough. Is tough. Yeah, I would also go LMJ. And I feel like... Like I said, I didn't feel good about putting Kenyon against him because I think if you put Kenyon against some other guys in this, he'd probably get out of the first round, maybe out of the second round. But, you know, the fact that they... They were kind of battling against each other their whole career, despite being best friends and, you know, great teammates. But uh, Kenyon kind of was a little bit overshadowed for most of his career until he had that year without LaMichael when he really, really thrived. So, um, yeah, I think LaMichael moves on.
2: Let me ask this question to JD real quick. Who would you have had in the last round if it was Kenyon instead of Royce Freeman against Dennis Dixon? Ooh, probably That's a really Kenyon. Good question. Probably, probably Kenya. I just think I might of, have too. Yeah, just know. because of the NFL stuff. weird as stuff. that
1: is. Yeah, just because of the NFL stuff, for, for sure. And again, I love Jay Stu. That's or, no, against Freeman. Sorry, but there's, that's yeah. no shade against Freeman. But yeah, I probably would have had Barner. Yeah. I think that's
0: fair. All right, last one of this region. We are going to see Joey Harrington against seven-seed Darren Thomas. Joey Harrington, captain comeback. He is number six on UL passing list, number three on all-time touchdown list. 2001 Pac-12 Player of the Year. 2002 Fiesta Bowl winner. uh, Number three overall draft pick in 2002. Darren Thomas, number nine on UO career passing list. Number four on career touchdown list. Made it to the BCS National Championship game. Made it to the 2012 Rose Bowl. Was unable to pull out (laughs) victories in either. Uh, Yeah. I think we've got our answer, but let's go. (laughs) I I love every time Darren Thomas' name gets brought up. Justin has uh, this like... This
2: subconscious reaction <laughs> where he just like, looks away. Uh, <laughs> so I can't close. stand it. I can't stand so it. I don't close. even want to
1: say anything. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna say Joey Harrington. <laughs> okay. gonna, be nice. I mean, gonna be nice. I'm.
2: I'm much, 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 much higher on Darren Thomas than J D is. We did like a. We did a quarterback ranking like years and years ago, and it was the first time that I realized how strongly he felt about Darren Thomas, and he uh, left that, us. That, yeah, the the end of his he career. He made way
0: for the greatest Oregon comeback to ever play, or greatest Oregon quarterback to ever play to come and start in Eugene. You're not mm-hmm. wrong. He was You're smart. Not wrong. He got out of the way.
1: I ha- just. Again, it was weird that he was like, re-
0: "Don't want to relitigate." Don't <laughs> want to relitigate. We'll just we'll just
1: say Joey Harrington, and I've got a lot to say about Joey, but we'll have more rounds to talk about Joey. Yes, so got more we'll just say Joey Harrington to keep this baby moving.
2: The weirdest part is that DT like left school. He's like, "I'm going to leave school early to go to the." arena football league, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I'm going Joey. Um, but I, but Darren Thomas, man, I mean that, that was the era, dude. That was, I mean, that was kind of what put Oregon on the map and he was, he was exciting. He was just a little bit too small to play at that next level, but he had all the skills. I think if he was, if he had the same career now, I think he would have gotten a shot in the NFL just because we've seen the smaller guys, um, you know, succeed. And at that time we hadn't, it was still like you had to be six foot four or whatever. I don't know if he would have succeeded, but I know, I think he would have got that shot. Um, that's a good point. but
0: yeah, I'm still going Joey. Yeah. I think that's right. I call. I, I would say Joey as well. He's we'll get more into him in the later rounds because I think we've all got a, a large affinity for him as he, he goes back to a lot of our childhoods. Um, this one, all right, we're moving regions now. We are in the Hardwood Heroes region and uh, Justin Herbert's in this region as well because I couldn't find another, a good spot for him. But Hardwood <laughs> Heroes, you got your one versus eight seed. I am excited for this one. I'm going to get out of the way. You have Sabrina Ionescu against Dylan Brooks. Uh, real quickly, let me let me list some of their achievements. Sabrina, <laughs> how much time do I have? All right, arguably, yeah, greatest, <laughs> arguably the greatest women's college basketball player of all time. Only NCAA player with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists. Most triple-doubles in NCAA history with 26. The next closest on the list has nine. Um, Like Marcus Mariota, she has pretty much every record in the book at Oregon. Dylan Brooks was arguably the best player on Oregon's best team, reaching the Final Four in 2017, he averaged 16 points per game uh, in that season and most of his career at Oregon. He's gone on to have a, a decent NBA career with the Memphis Grizzlies, where he is everybody's least favorite player in the league. So, uh, like I said, I want to get out of the way and let you guys go after this one, because we've got two big Sabrina and Brooks fans here.
1: Go ahead, Shane. Let's hear it. Boy, boy,
2: boy, 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 boy. Yeah, I mean, I, the greatest you know college basketball player of all time, it's... Arguable, you know what I mean. I'd say like Sheryl Miller and there's some other Dinah Tarassis that you could you know make the cases for. Dylan Brooks, obviously, you can't make that case for him as being the greatest college basketball player of all time. But I mean, but that's not really what this exercise is, right? It's what they mean to this school. And Dylan Brooks, you know, was you know pulling that men's team to that Final Four. Uh, I mean, a very talented team. You you have to have a very talented team to get that far. But I'd say he was by far you know the emotional leader. Um, damn, you know, I, I, <laughs> I really wanted Dylan Brooks to make like the final four of this whole exercise just because
0: <laughs> I, I have
2: been so on his side. Yeah, I know. And then Zach just kind of like, he puts him up against Sabrina. Um, so yeah, my vote is going to be a very, very reluctant Sabrina Unescu who I, I mean, I don't, we'll, we'll save that for later. I'll let JD yeah. go. I mean,
1: it's the mother of ducklings what else what else can i really say i love dylan brooks one of my favorite all-time oregon basketball stories is him getting his key card taken away from him because he was going to the gym at like 2 and 3 a.m instead of studying that's just as a basketball coach that makes my heart so happy but uh you gotta go with the mother of ducklings here got to
0: yeah i don't i'm sure we're gonna get into this later but i don't know that there's many people that meant that mean more to oregon sports than sabrina does at this moment Absolutely. so yep. yes that's a clean sweep for her four verse five you've got aaron brooks versus luke jackson uh aaron brooks number five on oregon assist leaders uh he was pac-10 champion in 2006 he lost to that team lost to florida in the sweet 16 uh first team all-american Luke Jackson, number two, Oregon scoring leader, number eight, Oregon rebound leader, number seven, Oregon assist leader, number three, Oregon Steals leader, first in Oregon history in free throws made, made the Elite Eight in two thousand two, one of two Pac Ten players with nineteen hundred points, seven hundred rebounds, and four hundred assists.
2: Go ahead. This one's really tough. Um, Luke Jackson is like your prototype college basketball player. There's certain guys that when you watch college basketball, like you think of like Tyler Hansbrough, Adam Morrison, like that just mastered that version of the game. When you get to that next level, there's all these spacing things, and the game is just played at a much different speed. In which I think when we watched Aaron Brooks here in college, we're like, this guy's going to be a good pro. I also said that about Luke Jackson, but all, the the NBA kind of changed the moment he got there, and he also went into a really poor situation his being back, on that man. team with LeBron. Yeah, his back was um, just so
1: terrible. That's what gave out. Yeah,
2: and the injuries and everything. So it's it's this really interesting conversation here because it's like you know the the better college career versus the the longer better career for Aaron Brooks. So my tiebreaker is going to be what I think these players mean to Duck fans, and I think that Luke Jackson is still a name that resonates here in Eugene. Um, he came in when I was working at Hot Mama's Wings when he was coaching at uh, whatever the Christian school is called now. Um,
0: oh, Bush- Bushnell.
2: Bushnell now. Bushnell. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the restaurant kind of stopped and was like, you know, not only is he like a very tall person, which, you know, gets a lot of <laughs> attention, but, uh, you know, I could see people whispering about him and all of that. So just kind of like the the Oregon legend, I'm going to go with Luke Jackson.
1: Yeah, I've got, I mean,. I remember I was in the gym playing at the student rec center and this kid showed up little hoodie on, took his hoodie off and he got a completely bald head and we're like, who the heck is this little alien kid? And he came out on the court and just started destroying people and later found out that was Aaron Brooks just showing up at the gym on a campus visit and just wanted to play a little basketball. Uh, Luke Jackson arguably has one of the greatest performances in Oregon history, scoring something like 36 straight of his team points, 39 total points overall in that game against Colorado and the NIT. This is really tough. This one is really, really tough for me, but I think I've got to go with Shane on this one, and I think I've got to go with Luke Jackson just because of, again, the cachet that he carries with Duck fans I think is a little bit more and just that that individual performance i mean i was there i was in the stands for that one so that just resonates with me so strongly and so deeply gotta go without gotta go with luke
0: jackson let's make that a clean sweep then i was hey, i was also really yeah, right. that's tough it's just such a it's such a toss-up between the two because aaron brooks is one of my favorite players growing up and you just you love him i think that i would argue i think he's maybe more of a more of a fan favorite than Luke was. I know that Luke's part of the Luke to Luke thing, but, you know, I know people love Aaron Brooks, but then you, you go through all of Luke's accolades and he's the only player that I think is in the top 10 for four different categories in Oregon sports history. It's like, he did so much here. And like, I think it was JD or I forget who was saying it, that, you know, he is just that prototypical college player. Like he just, he kind of does everything for you. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I feel pretty good about moving him on. I think he's a, a really good answer. This one is going to get tough, and I'm not sure which way we're going to go. Your 3-6 matchup, you got Peyton Pritchard versus Luke Ridenauer So Peyton Pritchard, number four, Oregon scoring leader. Number one, Oregon assist leader. Number two, Oregon steals leader. He had, I know this was before his Oregon career, but four straight state championships at Westland up in Portland. He made the Final Four in his freshman season. He was the 2019 Pac-12 Championship MVP, uh, made a Sweet 16 run, Pac-12 Player of the Year in 2020, and won the Bob Cousy Award for Nation's Top Point Guard. Luke Ridenour, number 4 Oregon Assist Leader, number 6 Oregon Steals Leader, went to the Elite 8 in 2002, and was the Pac-10 Player of the Year in 2002. I know my answer, but I'm curious what you guys have to say.
1: I think it's incredibly appropriate that these two are matched up against each other because both like incredibly good basketball players, but maybe some prickly personas, you know, if you had a chance to actually (laughs) talk to these guys and some interesting, I mean, I've, we, we talked about the Peyton Pritchard story on our podcast quite a bit. If you want to go back, I don't know, remember what number that is, but had an interesting self portrait, you know, that he submitted in an art class that we found kind of, kind of fascinating and Luke Ridnauer, you know, he was in school when I was there. Him and Luke Jackson had a golf cart that they used to cruise around on campus. May or may not have stolen said golf cart for a little joy ride and things of that nature. So just some some good, you know, stories here collaborated with both of these athletes. I've got to give Ridnauer the 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 bump here and I'm going to go I'm going to go with Rid just because of what that Luke to Luke connection meant for the University of Oregon at the time. Just how exciting that was here to be in town. Uh, his, his NBA career left a little bit wanting, but played for 15 something teams. I mean, had a lot of longevity, but just never had that like career year, I guess is what I, what I would say. Peyton. I mean, I thought he was going to be in Europe. I was, this was another player that I was completely wrong about in regards to his professional career. And he's really impressed me, but I just, I can't, I can't get past some things. So we're going to go Luke Redenauer here.
2: That's yeah. It's, it's like JD said, it's really tough. Um, you know, Luke Cridenauer's pro career I actually thought was really good just because he was a player that made people around him better. When he was on that Seattle team with all those shooters, it was to say, you know, he didn't really have the career year. Yeah, statistically, but I mean, all those other guys were having amazing scoring outputs. And I don't think they would have done that necessarily without his help. But you guys know me. You guys know I like a player with a little bit of edge. And uh, the the moment that always sticks out to me in Peyton Pritchard's career is that game in Washington in his senior year where he was looking into the crowd and saying, this is my city. And uh, that moment alone is just kind of the bump that, that, I'm gonna, that I needed to give him the edge over over Luke here just because he had a little bit more of an attitude. And he really didn't have that attitude when he first got on campus. It was something that he really grew into, that leadership role. And, I mean... Outside of you know his amazing basketball abilities, if we just had somebody with that attitude on this year's team, I think we'd be seeing oh a gosh. different outcome yeah. on this this season's yeah. uh, results. So, so I'm going to go with Peyton on this one. He's a guy that just like he's got that he's got that edge to him, and he's got that dog in him that uh,
0: that I really means a lot to me. Shane, I'm really happy that you made it so that my vote actually counts here because I'm also <laughs> going with Peyton Pritchard. I hey, think that oh, he. Wow. I don't know how much. I don't think that we appreciated him enough when he was here, but now that he's got his Oregon career behind him and you see where he is on the record boards and you see all these stats that he has, he's someone that, I mean, we've got a a point guard coming in next year with Jackson Schellstad, and we're saying, like, he could be the next Peyton Pritchard. This could be his ceiling if he's this good and he's as good as we think he can be. So um, I think that he's just kind of a prototypical duck in the sense that he grew up in oregon had such a good high school career came here played four years really incredible college career as well and now he's like you just like you said jd he's having a really good nba career with the celtics as well where he's a you know he's not getting enough minutes with the celtics right now he could go to another team and, and be a really really good scorer really good point need guard to trade yeah mm-hmm. need exactly. to trade badly but i mean excellent celtics, defender at the nba level too Yes, I think everyone thinks that the Celtics are going to go deep in the playoffs this year, and he's a reason for that. He's a really good role player off the bench, and if they gave him more minutes, I think he'd really be able to thrive in that role. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to see him go on. Um, I think that's the right call. I I do love the Luke-to-Luke. I would have loved to get both of them into the next round, but I I think this is still the right call.
1: And the right one advanced, I think, if one was going to advance. In my opinion, I think the right one advanced. So, yeah, I like I it. I
0: agree. I think Jackson was better than, than Riddenauer. I know that um, a lot of people think the same, too. So, All right, this one is a little interesting. Like I said, this was the the Hardwood Heroes region, but I had to fit one other non-Hardwood player, although he, we've seen some videos of him in the wreck, and he's got some bounce on him. So mm-hmm. number two seed, Justin Herbert. Number seven seed, Satu Sabali. Justin Herbert, number two on Oregon's passing list, number two on UO passing touchdown list, number two on UO all time touchdown list, 2020 Rose Bowl winner, 2020 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Satu Sabali, number four career points list, number six career field goal list, number four field goal percentage at Oregon, number four career points per game, 2021 WNBA All Star, 2020 All Rookie Team in the WNBA. Shane, how mad are you right now that I put statue up against you? Yeah, I know. When you said that, I was like, "You f- are you kidding me?" Like, because I mean, I had to do it. I know. I'm like, sorry. Th- one of the most
2: impressive parts of what you just said is the fact that you know, fourth all-time in scoring, fourth all-time field goal percentage. Should to, to score yeah. that many points, not taking that many shots? Mm-hmm. I mean, are, <laughs> should we just get into the whole thing now? Should I just put my vote
0: in? Go for it do
2: it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going saw This really sucks because, uh, of, you know, obviously Justin Herbert is this amazing talent, but if we want to really look at his career here at Oregon, fairly disappointing. If you really want to like break it down, I mean, this is where you go Oregon
0: versus pro career too. That's where it weighs in as well. So,
2: yeah. And I mean, and saw had that amazing college career was on, you know, a team that would have won a national championship as you know, all Oregon fans just say like they would have won, even though, you know, who, who the hell knows, but, uh, but I just I think that what Satu brought to that team. I mean, obviously Sabrina Unescu, best player on the team, best player in program history. But without Sato on that team to fill a lot of those gaps, uh, I don't know if she would have had quite the the level of success. And what sato was able to how she was able to pro- progress in her college career and even into the into her pro career. I mean, she's still getting better. She's still going over to Europe and getting better. And like. The Dallas Wings are my dark horse team again this year, 35-1, to in case anybody's wondering. Um, And they're making moves. They just got diamond shields. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I just think that Justin Herbert, you know, he means a lot to the program, obviously. He's from Eugene, walked to Autzen, you know, grew up with Sheldon, all of these things. And it's not really his fault because, you know, he kind of had poor offensive coordinators in the Mario Cristobal era and whatnot. But they just didn't really, he didn't have the the level of play in college that he, we're seeing him have in the pros. So I'm going to go with Satu on this one just to make my case as strong as I possibly can because I know I'm about to lose this one.
0: Real quickly, JD, before you start, despite what Shane just said, he's, Justin Herbert, still a 2020 Rose Bowl winner, still number two in almost every quarterback ranking and list at Oregon. So I just had to stick up for him real quick. JD, go ahead. <laughs>
1: Well, and you you know my relationship with Justin Herbert is complicated. If you've listened to the Flock Pod at all, it's a very complicated relationship. And Shane and I have gone back and forth on you know Satu, Sabrina, and things of that nature. And I think Satu is the Scotty Pippen to Sabrina's MJ. You know, she she was that piece that, like you said, did all those little things and. I love Satu Sabley, but I have one WNBA jersey that hangs in my closet and is a Sabrina Unesco jersey. so it's. I have one. And it's I know, and you've got Sabley jersey. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I've got money on the Liberty this year, so we'll see what happens. But I think that just what – her again, Herbert, when you go to Autzen still, you see 10 jerseys everywhere. You know what I mean? And I know Bo Nix also wears 10 now, so it's a little more complicated. How dare you stand where he stood? But, again – it's one of those one of those situations that I just think Herbert carries so much more cachet. You could say that his career here at the University of Oregon didn't live up to or didn't reach its maximum potential. You know, if you run his career a hundred times, probably finished in like the 80th percentile of what his career could really be. I think he could have been, you know, up there with Marcus if he would have had the right coaches and things like that. But not to, to dilly dally any longer. I'm. I'm going to put Justin Herbert ahead. I thought about having a little bit of fun and going Satu just because you know, but my complicated relationship. But we're going to go Herbie to move him on.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm going Herbert as well. I think that oh. one of the most. Impo- I know. I'm sorry, Shane. One of the most important <laughs> things about him is you take away his college career and just what he's done at the NFL level is kind of what we expected. What Oregon fans expected Marcus to do. And when Marcus didn't really thrive at the next level, I think it was really disappointing for a lot of Orca fans because they so badly wanted this this duck in the pros that they could be you know proud of and happy for and root for on Sundays. Herbert's given him that after the disappointment of Marcus, so um, I think we'll get into him more a little bit down the road, but yeah, I think Herbert is, is definitely my winner for that one.
2: Zero playoff wins, but okay
0: like <laughs> like what four years in the, in the league.
2: Hey, Kellen
1: Moore, baby. Kellen Moore. And they need speed. That's like the slowest team in the NFL, but That's we don't true. have to
2: get into that. Oh well, anyway. yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's the uh, poor kid. will get into it. It's system. going to be his handicap yeah. for the rest of his life.
0: All right. We now get into our Legends Region. Number 1 seed Steve Prefontaine versus number 8 seed Greg Ballard. Prefontaine, if I uh I guess I need to get into all of his accolades. There's there's a lot of them, but not as many as there could be. Yeah, He set the American records at every distance from 2K to 5K, or 2K to 10K, four-time NCAA champion in the 5K, three-time NCAA champion in cross-country. He only lost two times in his college career, only two defeats, which was incredible, but like I alluded to, he tragically passed away at age twenty-four, so it's kind of hard to quantify his legacy because he doesn't have all of the accolades that I feel a lot of people think he should. He doesn't have Olympic medals, he but, you know, anyone who grew up in Eugene knows what Prefontaine means to the sport of track and field and they know what he means to Oregon. They know the legend of Pre. Uh, real quick before I throw it to you guys, Greg Ballard, number five career points at Oregon, uh, number one career rebounds, single-game scoring record of 43 points uh, in one game, one of the Kamikaze kids, and an NBA champion in 1978. With that being said, go ahead. Last I checked,
1: there's no Ballard
0: Classic for a big
1: you know, basketball tournament here in town, so I think this one's pretty easy. I'm going uh, Steve Prefontaine.
0: Or a Ballard at Rock. It- up on, yeah, there, or a ballad rock. Probably, I didn't, which is kind of sad. The,
1: yeah, that's what you yeah, want. A little morose, ballad rock, that but, little but, morose but yeah, we'll yeah, go, we'll know. go pre for sure.
2: Yeah, and uh, we're talking about a lot of amazing athletes here out of these 32 people who went to the University of Oregon. I believe only two have a movie made about them. One is about to come out, and the other one came out a while ago. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go pre Fontaine, and I'm a distance runner myself, so those five yeah. 10k numbers are something that i just find unfathomable um yeah i'm i mean not that you know you know scoring 43 points in the college basketball game is an easy feat either but right. it that's a that's a tough break for ballard to be up against an oregon legend like pre in that one
0: all right four verse five oh, i also vote pre i think that he's that's kind of an easy one yep. four verse five matchup you got ahmad rashad versus Halodi nada uh ahmad rashad number 12 on uo uh, career rushing list number ten on career receptions list and number ten on career wide receiver touchdowns in the College Football Hall of Fame. Four-time Pro Bowler in the Vikings Ring of Honor. Legendary sports broadcaster after his after his playing career as well. not a third highest ranked recruit in Oregon history. First-team All-American in 2005. Pac-10 Player of the Year 2005. Super Bowl champion with the Raider with the Ravens. Five-time Pro Bowler two-time first-team All-Pro and probably eventually an NFL Hall of Famer as well. There's questions about that, but yes, I believe he should definitely get in. That being said, open it up to you guys.
2: You know, this one's really tough. Uh, I don't know if any of us really got to see a lot of Ahmad Rashad play at the University of Oregon. There's not um, a ton of even like video on YouTube or anything. I know him more as the guy who married the woman who was on the Cosby show. And then, uh, you know, like kind of his, like, post-playing, like, you know, media career. And uh, I actually, when I was in high school, I read, uh, for a book report, I read, like, a biography of his. And, you know, I was very, like, impressed for what he was actually able to accomplish at that time. But Elodie Nada is one of the most dominant individuals that's ever been at this program. Um, and then for what he was able to do and carry that dominance into the NFL, and just an amazing personality to go along with it, not that Ahmad Rashad doesn't, I'm going to go with Elodie Nada. Pretty much because I got to watch it.
1: Yeah, this one, uh, kind of a similar argument for me. I had a class with Halodi Nada, and I've never seen a man take up three rows in a lecture hall before. And he literally had like his arms on the back row, was sitting in one row, and his legs over the other row. Just the nicest guy ever, also. But pretty sure only one of these guys has ever climbed Mount Kilimanjaro before. So we're going to go Halodi Nada here. So absolutely he did for that.
0: sure. Yeah, did with a uh, Chris. That effect, huh?
1: Chris Long. Uh oh, they do he, those, did he go those with Killy Chris trips. Yeah, Nada went with yeah. one of them on those trips. And that's a big huh. boy to get up Killy, so I'm I am going Holodi Nada here.
0: Yeah. I would also go with Haloti. He was he was so fun to watch in Oregon. And I uh, so out at Emerald Valley Golf Course where I work, you know, a couple days a week, they have the alumni event before the spring game each year. Holodi was out there last year. I got to golf a few holes with him and just seeing a man of that size swing a golf club and actually be you know decent at golf it was just incredible to watch and so much that's, fun he's yeah. just just looked like yeah. a
1: toothpick in his hand probably yeah that's like crazy <laughs> it's
0: just he's so so massive so yeah we can get into him more later but i i think that he should definitely move on all right three versus six seed this one man these last two are tough this one's especially three seed kenny wheaton versus six seed freddie jones Kenny Wheaton arguably has the most famous play in UO history with the pick. It launched a new era of Oregon football, and he has the school record for most interception return yards. Fred Jones, number 8 UO career scoring list, uh, number 8 UO career assists list, number 7 UO career steals, number 8 UO career blocks, 2002 Elite 8, and winner of the 2004 Slam Dunk Contest. Go for it. I'm I'm going for the upset here, gentlemen. I I like Kenny Witten. I'll
1: I'll always remember being a little kid jumping up on down on a mattress, you know, watching on a little itty bitty TV screen him making that pick. That's that's one of the moments that's like endeared seared into my memory. But another memory that's seared into my brain is playing down at the bridge one night, and Chris Christopherson and Fred Jones rolled down to the bridge and just started playing basketball with us. And threw down one of the craziest dunks I've still ever seen in my life. Threw it up off the backboard, turned with his back to it, grabbed it, pulled it down between his legs, and then threw it down. It was absolutely insane. And he's he's done it at the NBA level, slam dunk champion. I'm going for the upset. I'm going Fred Jones.
2: Yeah, I had a poster next to my bed growing up of Fred Jones on that dunk contest from Indiana, where it was really just a bad pass, self-pass, so that he was able to catch it and throw it down. And, I mean, I always think about that dunk against Arizona State at Matt Court, uh, that one that will ever f- live in infamy. But if we're talking about infamy, I mean, Kenny Wheaton had the moment. And it's <laughs> exactly. against Washington, ripping their hearts out. And if we're going, like, you know, greatest, what they mean to the program. I mean, my personal favorite out of these two players would probably be Freddie Jones. But if we're going, like, greatest overall impact, that when they play that tape at Austin Stadium, there's 52,000 people in there getting goosebumps at the same time. It's true. So I'm going Kenny Wheaton. Very
0: interesting. And I don't want to make it hard on Zach. Uh, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad exactly I split this did. one. Yeah, I like it. I am also going to go Kenny Wheaton,
2: Oh, which
0: feels crazy. I know. Fred. I mean, Freddie has all the accolades, all the It's scoring, probably the, the right pick. It's probably I the mean, right he, pick. I mean, I think he had the better Oregon career. But like like Shane was saying, when you talk about the Oregon goat, do I think that Kenny Wheaton is the Oregon goat? No. But I think that he is he's up there in Oregon lore and everyone knows the name Kenny Wheaton. And you know you know Jerry Allen's call. Kenny Wheaton's gonna score. Everyone knows what that meant for the program and, and kind of what's happened since then, so um, that's really tough. I, I hate to knock out Freddie, but I think that Kenny, I think Kenny should move on. All right, final first-round matchup. We got the two-seed, seven-seed, Dan Fouts versus Ron Lee. Dan Fouts, number eight career passing leader Oregon. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Six-time Pro Bowler, 1982 MVP, 1980s All-Decade team in the NFL. Ron Lee, number one UO career points leader, number three career assists leader, three-time All-American, third most points in a single game with 41, and he is one of seven ducks with his jersey retired. Um previously at Matt Corp, but now in Matthew Knight Arena. So what do you guys think?
1: This one's tough, but I gotta go with the kamikaze kid. I'm gonna go for another upset. Even if I'm wow. the, the dissenting vote here, I'm gonna go with Ronnie wow. Lee. Just I can see the big Afro running around out there. You know what I mean? And I just I love both sports. I'm just more of a basketball nut. So to me, I think Ronnie Lee and what that kamikaze team meant to the U of O. I know Dan's a, a massive figure in program history also, but I'm okay being the dissenting vote here. I'm going to go with Ron Lee.
2: Again, this is another one where I feel like I'm like contradicting myself at every turn here. <laughs> but this is another one where it's like the college career versus the pro career. Uh, Ron Lee, obviously great college career. He played a while in the NBA, but his talents didn't really translate. Uh, he was in college. He was a very big guard. I believe he was like six four and played point guard and was really able to throw his weight around at that level. didn't really translate to the next level. Dan Fouts, the college accolades aren't really that impressive when you go down and you look through it. Uh, I'm sure if you saw it in person, like none of us were able to, that it would be a much different experience. So I'm kind of going with the tiebreaker here being the after sports career. And I'm going to go with Dan Fouts and what he just means to, to football fans in general. Um, And the fact that, you know, he is constantly reminding people on those broadcasts when he was doing it for CBS about the University of Oregon. Like every time him and Neil Everett were two people that every time they got a chance to, like, be pro-Oregon on a national broadcast, they were. And that was something that we didn't really hear a lot, Um, especially just schools out here on the West Coast in general, because we don't have the the history of the older universities on the East Coast. So I'm going to go with just
0: a slight, slight favorite, of Dan Fouts here. I'm really bummed that you're making me... Read the type <laughs> That was that was my other <laughs> I was other part hoping of it. that I wouldn't have to. Man, it's tough because these are also two players. I mean, I I did never watch these players. I mean, everything I've seen from these players, it's all all you know stories from other guys and some video if you could find it online. But um, I think I'm gonna go with Ron Lee. I oh. think that. Yeah, I think just the Kamikaze kids, that's such a great era. The fact that he's still number one in career points at UO, number three in assists. And, you know, every time we're at my night, you see those jerseys up in the rafter. You see Ron Lee's number 30 up there. And I think that, you know, no shade on Dan Fouts, but his his career started after Oregon. I mean, he was such a legendary NFL player. I mean, I was talking to, to one of my coworkers that we were going to do this, and he's a, you know, he's much older than i am and he's like oh yeah i mean dan fouts probably has to be the winner of that right and i'm like you know what i i honestly don't think so because he was a really good nfl player but he didn't do anything at oregon He's like yeah i guess i guess that is right so yeah we'll move on ron lee um i feel pretty good about that too all right we are moving into the second round now i know that took what was it 50 minutes for the first round so thank you guys for sticking along for this entire podcast it's gonna be a long one i know like i said earlier Back up to the speed region. We got Phil Knight against Raven Rogers. What do you guys think? And if you need me to go over accolades again, if you want a refresher, I can, but I think we, we pretty much know what we've got at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm going Phil Knight. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think a whole lot. I mean, he's, it's Uncle Phil, it's Nike U, Phil Knight.
0: See, I'm going to zag. I,
2: I getting Phil out of that first round, you know. You're doing it to me again. You're making me be the deciding factor. <laughs> well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Raven Rogers had a much, much more, more successful actual running career here, right? I mean, okay, but, athletically. I mean, but who is Raven
0: Rogers without Phil Knight? Hmm, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, I mean, she's still a great athlete, but she's wearing. Yeah, I mean, sport doing well, I'm I mean, like, it, I don't think it would have affected her career but maybe where stardom, it happened though yes
2: yeah and the fact that oregon was really making <clears throat> track athletes into bigger stars than probably any other university some sec schools might be mad at me for saying that but they're not listening that's fine. um yeah no you oh, man that's really hard sorry i don't want to make this longer than it needs to be i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna change I'll my answer fine. i'm gonna go back to phil i think i'm gonna go back okay. to phil just with, the, with okay. the the overall impact is just really hard to uh
0: but, I mean, Raven Roger. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sticking with Phil. I'm you want to come here. back to you, Shane? I'll make this easy for you. I'm saying Phil Knight as well. I know that my uh, my main point in Raven versus Dat was Raven has her face up on the Bowerman Tower at Hayward Field. But there is no Bowerman Tower or the new Hayward Field without Phil Knight. So I think that yeah. when you're talking about Oregon Goats, I think that while she's had a great career, still having a great career, I think that Phil deserves to move on. All right, your six versus two, Devin Allen versus Ashton Eaton. What do
1: you guys think? Again, potentially, quantifiably the greatest athlete ever. We got to go. I mean, Devin Allen's still doing it, still doing great in the NFL. I hope he got – he needs to go to the Chargers because they need speed, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I'm going to go with Ashton Eaton here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, Devin Allen is a better specialist than Ashton Eaton but when you think about these heptathlons and what all goes into that and i was at the nca championships the last 2 years but this last year i was uh, watching the decathlon stuff and the interviews afterwards were just hilarious cuz they're like what are you thinking about like we're going to day 2 they're like sleeping you know what i mean like there's <laughs> there, there's nothing like the what those guys are able those guys and women are able to do on just such a broad spectrum of athletics is is incredible so I'm going to go Ashton
0: Yeah, I think I will go Ashton as well. It's just when you're in the same – even the same arena as him, when you're at Hayward Field and he goes out on the track or if he's at Autzen or, or Matt Knight or something like that, there's just an air about him where everyone kind of – you can just feel it. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of absolute greatness right now. I mean this is a, mm-hmm. one of the, the greatest athletes in the history of the world. So. Well, Devin Allen, awesome career, great, great Oregon Duck. I mean, like we said earlier, he's definitely got the cool factor. I think we would all agree that he's probably a lot cooler than Ashton is because I think Ashton's a little bit nerdy, but also mm. has to be kind of nerdy to be <laughs> yeah. to be that good at something. <laughs> that so. guy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think we move on Ashton, and we uh, we feel pretty good about it, but also are dreading that uh, what is it, elite eight matchup between Phil and Ashton next time. Let's. Uh,
2: I think I think Devin Allen would probably agree with us on this
0: one too. <laughs> I think so too. I think that's yeah. that's fair. He seems he seems self aware. All right, this one eh, could be tough. Marcus Mariota versus Dennis Dixon down in the Golden Era region. What do you guys think?
2: We're talking about what could have been versus what actually was. You know what I mean? We we it's if Dennis Dixon's knee didn't get torn to shreds, you know, we'd be maybe having a much different conversation It'd be like a one a one b situation. But in my eyes, you know, it 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 sucks for Dennis Dixon, but it's got to be Mariota. He yep. he actually got the trophy.
1: Yeah, it, ditto, ditto, ditto. The flying yep. Hawaiian flies on.
0: Agreed. Marcus is the only Heisman winner in school history. And I think that it could have been two, like Shane was saying. But, you know, in the end, that's that's how the ball bounced.
1: Go ahead. Well, I just could. think we'll, we'll get to it on our next one. But I think it could have been three.
0: Could have been three. Yes, absolutely. Well, actually, maybe could have been four almost, too, if you consider this next matchup. So Michael James, Joey Harrington. Go ahead, JD.
1: What do you think? No, that's a good point because LMJ had a legitimate case also. He you know, finished, he finished he third
0: in what, 2010? Yeah, Doak Walker. Yeah, or that's, that you year. know, yeah. Pack 12, against 10 bias. Cam, Cam Newton won that one? Was it Cam Newton? I think it was, yeah.
1: I think it was Cam. God, Cam Newton. complicated <laughs> relationship. Um, this one's really hard for me. Um, one of my favorite moments, you know is seeing Joey Harrington and it doesn't have anything to do with him being on the field. It was him and the pit crew, you know, cheering on the basketball team there and just because he was such a just was the everything you wanted a college quarterback to be, you know, here at the University of Oregon. Represented the the university with class, supported other um programs, you know, did what he could for everything. Just a absolute I mean their their careers in the NFL are kind of similar, except LMJ was more, you know, injury related. But just the nostalgia factor, oh, man, but that LMJ backfield and with Marcus, man,
2: this is really tough. A little bit more success,
1: A little bit more LMJ. success, too. But, again, I don't have that many jerseys hanging in my closet. I've still got the classic Joey Harrington, the brown-green kind of, you know, the one that a lot of people mm-hmm. think is really ugly now. But got to go Joey here. It's really tough. But I think splitting hairs, i got to go Joey Harrington.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything that Justin just said and – I mean, I know, Zach, you just got a chance to talk with Joey recently. Uh, We did, uh, like, last year. Yeah. The dude is like an Oregon historian at the same time. He's so good at this. It's unbelievable how much he knows about the university's history, how much he's still paying attention to what's going on today, his Twitter persona, you know, breaking down, you know, what's happening with every quarterback in the football team, and even beyond the football team, which is really impressive. Mm -hmm. A lot of these football guys are so honed in just on football, but he really knows his stuff about everything. And, I mean, if we're talking just about relevance to the school, I mean, I think, honestly, LMJ might have had a better playing career if we're being 100% honest to just what he was able to accomplish. I mean, like, but Joey was the the person that really helped put this school on the map. That billboard being in New York City, like, that kind of stuff, I think, is the big
0: cultural impact that really gives
2: him the edge. So I'm going to go Joey, too. Thank you
0: very much for not making my vote count <laughs> here because I, I still don't know my answer. I mean, I... <laughs> la was coming to be when i was in high school and so he was kind of the guy that that was just you know god, everyone so was sick. so obsessed with i know you are so old <laughs> you were telling me that you were in class with Halodi nada and i was like oh my god yeah how old are you yeah, yeah. but i like that i <laughs> fall right in the middle here so this I is know, perfect really for me Lemichael was the guy i mean he was just so transcendent and that that era of Oregon football is really what took the Ducks to the next level. I mean, that's when they were, you know, getting to the BCS championship and, and just, you know, the fact that he even got invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony was, he was just so cool to be a duck. And he, he really helps elevate that brand. But then, like you said, Joey is kind of what created that brand. He was part of that. And there is no, I mean, the ducks aren't where they are today. I don't think without Joey, cause he kind of helps, lift them out of that funk in the late 80s and the early 90s and, and kind of lift them there and help them along there so i don't know what i would pick i'm glad i don't have to pick because we're gonna move on joe harrington <laughs> <laughs> all right we are going to the hardwood heroes region top right of the bracket we got sabrina UNESCO against luke jackson what do you guys think
1: mother of ducklings i mean, I'll keep, I, mean I love luke jackson but mother of ducklings
0: I was originally just going to be
2: contrarian and pick the opposite of what J.D. did, but uh, <laughs> it's Sabrina. Um, it is. It is. I yeah. I mean, I said a lot of nice things about Luke Jackson before, so I'm just going to go ahead and say Sabrina in this one. Well, and just
0: just what she did for the women's basketball program as a whole, um, and women's I mean, basketball, women's basketball. Yes, exactly. absolutely. But you look at the the buy-in. I don't know that there's been a more popular team in Oregon sports than that women's team in whatever mm-hmm. 20, I forget what year it was, 2016, 2017. I mean, they were getting bigger draws than the men's games and they were getting, I mean, obviously Autzen's a lot bigger than Matt Knight. So not the same draws, but the level of passion was there for that women's team. And, Absolutely. you know, even on the road, people were filling out road stadiums up at, up at Washington to see Sabrina Ionescu play. I mean, she was that big of a draw and that big of a talent. And when the, the team USA came into Matt Knight and Sabrina's team beat them, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, she's just such a historic figure. And yeah, I think that we can feel pretty good about moving her on. All right. This one. hmm Interesting. Peyton Pritchard against Justin Herbert. What do you guys say?
1: This is like ghost of predictions past coming back to high. I know. Because I was so wrong on both of these guys.
0: The JD Bull.
1: Yeah, seriously. Um, I got to go Herbert. I got to go Herbert just because he's had more success at the NFL level. I think you see a lot more Justin Herbert jerseys, you know, Charger jerseys and Duck jerseys running around here in Eugene than you see Peyton Pritchard jerseys. As much as Peyton did mean to the university and what he accomplished while he was here. But yeah, I got to go Justin Herbert.
2: I'm going to go Peyton Pritchard on this one. Um, I I think that he actually accomplished more while he was here. And if I'm not mistaken, they both haven't really accomplished anything at the next level yet. I mean, we obviously say the potential is really there for Herbert. I mean, we've had this discussion before. We all said he was, what, the top five quarterback in the NFL. And obviously Peyton Pritchard isn't a top five point guard. I mean, so, but I mean, they still are both... Basing that on potential, still though, and mm-hmm. if Peyton Pritchard was in a different situation in Boston, it, you know maybe it'd be different. Like you, I don't think he'd be top five again. You know the, the NBA he'd is be just Alex kind of, Caruso
0: though. He'd be like exactly that level you know of he's star. absolutely oh,
2: buried yeah. on that Celtics team. If it wasn't for the addition of Derek White and some of these other guys, he'd be getting a lot more run, and he wouldn't be getting the seven minutes sparingly that he gets there. But if we're talking about what they did in college, Peyton Pritchard carried that Ben's basketball program to I mean he was with Dylan Brooks for that final four but then some of those other years he was he was the guy really he was the straw stirring the drink Um, both local guys one's obviously a little bit closer to Eugene than the other but both Oregonians and I, I just think that his four years here were more impactful for the program moving forward than Justin Herbert
0: interesting I didn't I didn't plan this in the seating at all, but I do kind of love that these two matched up against each other because they both are those those Oregon boys, and you know they have had similar, like you said, professional careers after, uh, solid, really solid Oregon careers. I think I'm gonna go with Herbert in the end, just because of what I was saying earlier that the fact that he's given Oregon fans something to root for in the NFL and a quarterback to really call their own that feels like, you know. Because you look at Marcus, like I said, didn't have the NFL career we wanted. Look at Joey, didn't have the NFL career we wanted. And it's just kind of Oregon fans, I think, are starved for that top five quarterback to call their own and to really have bragging rights about. So I think I'll take Justin going forward.
1: I was really hoping right. Pritchard was going to get traded to the Clippers just because of the duck tent and like Shane's like infatuation. That mm. would have been a good situation for him, too. Now, I,
2: now I have Russell Westbrook in yeah, my I-
0: <laughs> Oh, have fun. How's that going to work out for you?
2: No, nah, yeah. <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. I'm hoping that Peyton Pritchard finds himself in Orlando. Oh, that'd be fun.
0: That would be fun. I think
2: that he could be that kind of like behind the scenes type player. That uh, he's everything that Jalen Suggs kind of isn't, as far as like a bas- like how the game is played. And I just think he would be a lot better at getting all of those skill guys involved. But again, that's, a, that's a, another conversation for another, another day, another podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Legends Region. We've got Steve Prefontaine versus Haloti Nada. I'll
2: go first here.
0: Um, that's
2: this is a really tough one. Uh, like you, like we said before, I think Haloti Nada is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in the NFL, and obviously probably like the best, or maybe the second best interior defensive lineman in program history. I don't know him and DeForest Buckner probably. You that would be the conversation, but I mean DeForest Buckner didn't even make this list, so. Oh, man. You know, I run on the Prefontaine trail all the time. I feel like my heart is telling me Prefontaine and my mind is telling me Haloti Nada. I'm going to go Prefontaine on this one.
1: Yep. I'm going to keep this one simple. I'm going to go Pre also. I love Haloti, but I just think Pre, again, there's a Prefontaine classic, what he means to the track program. He's the, the, not the godfather because that's more Bowerman, but he's like the the God nephew or whatever you want to call it, you know, he's, he's uh, whatever Al Pacino's character
0: is. Yeah. I was trying I, to think of a good, I don't know if this is wrong to say, but it kind of feels like he's Jesus of Oregon. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's that's a better, died, better take. careful. Died yeah. yeah I know it's, <laughs> it sounds like I'm some sure more, I something could. I would have said, but yeah, yeah. I should get into some hot water there. I'm sure. So I don't, I go down that road. But you know, no, he's just that figure wrong. that like, you but know, you're not
1: he, wrong. Yep yeah i think i would Even kind also of be
0: prefontaine because i think that he he just meant so much for the program and people who know nothing about oregon sports they know who prefontaine is you know and i, I just think so many more people nationwide know about pre than they know about haloti nada while haloti's still an incredible figure and, and we all love him but shane what were you gonna say Do you want to say it? Is it still on the the top? I'll leave it out. I'll leave it out. We were we were kind of fired from the hip there for a second and I kind of recalibrated it. (laughs) That's good. All right. Our last second round matchup, you got Kenny Wheaton versus Ron Lee. What do you guys think? Shit.
1: Yeah, I didn't vote for him in the last round, but I will this time. Kenny Wheaton's gonna score. Kenny Wheaton's gonna move on. I'm going with Kenny Wheaton.
2: Yeah, I mean, as much as... So, like, I I started this dialogue on Twitter about, like, who Oregon's men's basketball GOAT is, because I think it's an interesting conversation, and it really comes down to, like, generational things. But, like, a lot of people who watched Ron Lee play would say that he was, you know, undeniably the greatest player the program has ever seen. But I don't think his impact has really carried out throughout um, program history. The way that Wheaton has, and the fact that there was never the, the moment for Ron Lee. He put together an amazing career, but he didn't have that that tipping point moment. So I'm going to go with Kenny Wheaton as well.
0: I think that's a really good way to say it. This seems like a matchup between fan legacy and statistical legacy. You know, Ron Lee had all the stats. He's got the records. He, he proved it on the floor. But like you said, his impact culturally for the program was not what Kenny's is and while like when I was doing the research to to get the little notes on these guys it's kind of like I was shocked at how little there was to write about Kenny Wheaton like he is not one of their interception leaders he doesn't have you know the most tackles in history or, or all of this like the the one record I found is that he's got the, the record for most interception return yards it's like okay I saw <laughs> that he had th- three straight years with one 70 yard interception return like okay that's cool but what he meant to the program. We already said it. It's just, it's, it, it turned around the program and it, that's kind of your, I don't want to go back into the religious analogy, but like before the pick and after the pick, like it, that's two different like segments of Oregon football. I think so. It's,
2: yeah, it's almost more like a, like a David Beckham kind of conversation. Like, was he the greatest soccer player? No. Like he was, did he ever leave his team in scoring? No, but he had all these moments and th- those moments kind of outlive even, like, the consistent statistical success.
0: Good point. All right. Yeah. We are moving on to the Elite Eight. This is where things are going to get really tough. We're going to start out with, I think, probably the hardest matchup on the board, Phil Knight versus Ashton Eaton. What do you guys think?
1: For me, it goes back to, I don't remember, I think it was Uzak that said it about the last matchup, but who is Ashton Eaton without Phil Knight? You know, and the elevation that he and Uncle Phil, it, part of me wants to get Uncle Phil out of this bracket, just because I know like husky fans and USC fans will have an absolute like field day if he ends up winning this or something like that. But again, if we're if we're just talking about legacy, you know, impact, all those things, it's it's
2: got to be Phil Knight for me. See, this is where I feel like we finally gotten to somebody who has the allure to take down Phil Knight. We're talking about the greatest athlete in the world and possibly ever. And we're talking totally. about a dude with a waffle iron who started a shoe company. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I and I definitely have heard a lot less stories about Ashton Eaton being potentially kind of a bad dude and, like, the whole landscape of the, the world's construction. And, again, that's a... If you want to get like a really long conversation, we can have that one. But I think that this is the first person, you know, Raven Rogers, I thought was close with all of her success. But if we're talking about Ash Eaton and all of his success, I think we finally found somebody who can knock Phil Knight out, and I'm going with Ashen Eaton.
0: Yeah, do it. I completely agree with Shane. I think that if you want to make the argument for every player on this list, you could say, what are they without Phil Knight? But this feels like a player, an athlete, that was big enough to say, hey, he is, I mean... Arguably the greatest athlete in the history of the world. I think he's big enough to take down Phil Knight and Nike. I'm gonna go with Ashtonedon. I think the team would as There we go. Down goes Uncle Phil. Down goes the number one overall seed. That was our Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this is another tough one. Marcus Mariota versus Joey Harrington.
2: Man, talk about an era debate, right? Seriously. J.D., I'll go first on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, w- you know, what Joey means to the program, I don't think we can, you know, overstate. It's He's the reason why there's a lot of Duck fans nationwide. Um, and, you know, like, you're definitely one of these, like, you know, quote-unquote godfather-type figures. But I think Marcus coming to this program wasn't really – I don't think that he was because of Joey, you know what I mean? Like, Marcus came here as a three-star from Hawaii – Nobody was really high on him when he was coming in. It wasn't like this. I mean, he had a third or a quarter of the fanfare that like, Ty Thompson got as an incoming freshman. And what he was able to build and accomplish over his four years, I think he's one of these players that we can kind of detach from the Oregon history. Uh, I think he's one of the rare examples where... He would have came here and done what he did regardless. And his work ethic and, you know, how nice he was to the community, not to take anything away from Joey, he is as well. And then, you know, to go to that next level, and they both kinda had the same career, kind of, uh, in the NFL. So I'm gonna give the slight nod to, to Marcus here just because he was able to win it. He passed him in almost every statistical category. And uh, yeah, like I said before, he was he was kind of an outlier on this the storyline of Oregon sports.
1: Yeah. I'm going Marcus also. I mean, <clears throat> shout out uh, a wheel pizzeria. You know, I still order from them all the time and it's the, it's the Mariota every single time from that spot. If you've never had a wheel, it's delicious by the way, definitely mm-hmm. to order some of that pizza, but shout out Steve um,
0: yeah, I got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> got to go. Got to go Marcus Mariota.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I'm actually surprised we had a clean sweep here, but I would also say Mariota because a lot of what Shane was saying, I feel like, Joey Harrington got Oregon out of the doldrums in like before the turn of the century in the 90s. It feels like Mariota elevated them to the next level of where they are now, where now they're in the national conversation. I mean, they're often in the top five, top 10, top 15 mark, wherever you want to put them. They're nationally relevant now. He brought the first Heisman Trophy to Oregon, which is something that, you know. The ducks don't have championships, but they've at least got a Heisman, and they've got a Heisman in the last you know decade, which is something that you know they can hold over a lot of other Pac-12 schools. I know that they do, but I think that I think one of the things that was most impressive about Mariota is we went through his stats. I mean, he's number one in almost every category, and then when you consider what they could have been if he was playing fourth quarters and third quarters, and if they weren't just blowing everyone out of the water. It could have been just otherworldly, the type of numbers he was putting up. So I don't. I think he he's someone that, that would be honestly in the conversation for among the best college football players nationally in the past, you know, twenty years or something like that. Because what he was doing, we just haven't really seen. He was kind of part of this new era of of mobile quarterback, and um, it was really cool to see that be, be born in Eugene in some sense. So I think we can move Marcus on with a lot of confidence. All right, Sabrina versus Justin. What do you guys think?
1: This one's an easy one for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Mother of Ducklings. Again, I think this one's uh, what she means. You know, all the little girls that play basketball now in Eugene because of her. And I think that her, she well, actually, I mean, professionally, kind of similar. I mean, she's had accomplishments, had to battle through some injuries, things of that nature, but. Just for me, just for vibes, vibes. We're going Sabrina Ionescu, the mother of ducklings.
2: Yeah, and the fact that she, you know, went from Oregon, you know, from being from Northern California, and then goes to the NBA in New York or the WNBA in New York in this huge market, and she becomes the number one overall pick, huge market, big star, and then had, you know, kind of a hiccup early, but now where that where that franchise is headed um, is crazy. You know, where they're the with. Tied with the Vegas Aces in odds for the WNBA championship, and Herbert is ascending to get to that, um, but it's just not there yet. Football is a little bit harder; has a little bit more of a learning curve as far as like what we've seen success early on in career. In basketball, we've just seen players immediately make that impact. And you can make the argument: there's five players; you're one of them, so you're having a bigger impact. A little bit easier to quantify. Um, yeah, I mean Justin, just it's it's almost there. Uh, he's somebody that probably sounds like I've been hard on throughout this podcast but uh, it's just been kind of through the matchups and this is just another bad one for him to come up against the, the mother ducklings is a tough, tough beat. But if you're going to lose to anybody losing to Sabrina in the bracket yeah.
0: matchup like this is a, uh, that's the person you want to lose to. That's an, an honorable way to go out for sure. And I would do it as well. <laughs> I, I say Sabrina because, you know, going back to the research and through her records, it's just what she did at Oregon is you can't quantify it by numbers because like we said, with the women's basketball, but you also consider what she dealt with with Kobe's death and all of that, just turmoil and the the mindset she had to get into and play with, and the fact that the way her Oregon career ended just left such a hole in I'm sure every Oregon fan's heart because that team was you know probably I think favored to win the the NCAA championship. I mean they were they were on a on a trajectory to go right through March Madness and win that. And I mean, she's been very open about it since she's like, no, I, I have no closure from that. We were absolutely going to win that championship. And unfortunately, that was taken away from them because of the COVID, uh, you know, COVID outbreak. So um, I think there's always that sort of what if to her career, but I don't think it's a big enough what if that it detracts from her overall legacy. I think in, in a weird sense, it almost kind of adds to it because... You know, they were expected to win that, and you kind of add that to what she already did at Oregon. It just becomes that much more impressive. So, yeah, I am happy to move her into the final four. Last one, uh, in the Elite Eight, we got Steve Prefontaine and Kenny Wheaton.
1: This one's tough. You know, good good for Kenny making as deep of a run as he did here. He's the, the last remaining three seed, you know, the lowest seed remaining here in the uh, Elite Eight. But, you I know, mean, it's Prefontaine. You got, I got to go Prefontaine.
2: I think it's snowing right now. I just looked out my window. Um, <laughs> it's like slushy for sure. I'm like I have a sunroof over here. Like, As all of us like peek out our windows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, yeah. I mean, it, this one is it's a big impact on both these sides. You know what I mean? Because statistically, like you know, Prefontaine's career is cut short, and Kenny Wheaton just it wasn't really. He was more of an impact guy. So we got to go with kind of results for what they did while they were here, and I'm going to go with Prefontaine there, just because you know setting all those records, Kenny Wheaton set a record for most interception return yards. It sounds like, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to be the deal breaker.
0: Yeah, I think. Well, we've actually had a, I'm pretty sure a clean sweep in all of these Elite Eight matchups so far, which is kind of surprising. I also have Prefontaine because, like we've said, go ahead.
1: Oh, I voted for Phil Knight. I was the I was the one. Oh, you did? Vote yes, that the was Phil the Knight other. Vote, yeah. Yeah, I oh.
0: messed it up. Sorry, boys. Yeah. Oh well. So off the beaten path for you to to go contrary <laughs> into what we were. <laughs> and actually, you went with the higher seed there too, which is funny. Um, no, it's it's Prefontaine. It's Prefontaine. I think that his his legacy at Oregon. I mean, this this Final Four matchup between Sabrina and Prefontaine now is gonna be quite a thing to talk out. So. Let's get to the other final four matchup though. Before that, uh, Ash Neaton and Marcus Mariota. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, Justin, tough. go first.
1: Yeah, this is this one's really tough. Um, again, we were we were talking about you know in the Joey Marcus matchup, you know how each player kind of rec- like represented a a decade or represented a, a time, you know, a very defined time in Oregon history. And I think that these two represent different factions of fans. You know, Oregon has a very passionate track and field fan base for sure, and I get guarantee if you got somebody on from that track and field fan base, they would say Ashton Eaton easily. But man, the flying Hawaiian, just so many memories. Uh, leading the Chip Kelly sants you know, and what that what that offense went on to do. I mean, we're now seeing that offense basically in the NFL on Sundays, and just the impact that it's been able to have overall. I gotta go with the number one seed here. I gotta, I gotta set up the matchup that I kind of predicted before this whole thing started. So maybe I'm just leaning to that bias a little bit too much, but I'm gonna go with my guy Marcus Mariota here.
2: So I was actually living in Hawaii when Marcus Mariota won his Heisman Trophy, and oh, it was cool. a really cool moment uh, during the Heisman Trophy trophy pre- presentation. Uh, the restaurant I was working in was open air, so you know, like the you're looking out on the streets and everything like that. And for that, like, half hour, there was nobody out there. Everybody who was, like, walking the streets or whatever was, like, a tourist. Everybody who lived there was glued to a TV. Uh, there's a big, like, cultural connection in Oregon Hawaii. Uh, the University of Oregon offers in-state tuition, people in Hawaii. And there's just a lot of people from Oregon living over there. So it was this awesome moment culturally that, like, when it happened, you could basically hear a pin drop in this town. And then just for the rest of the day, two, three days afterwards, it was so much... Uh, just like happiness between these two groups of people, these Oregon fans and these people in Hawaii, and like you know me being from Eugene, I felt like I was right in the middle of all of it. And I had like everybody got like shirts made that said Aloha Heisman and all this stuff. And I think that like where I'm gonna break this down as far as like a because I this is a tough one. If these two players were like introduced at like halftime of like a game at Austin Stadium or something, you know what I mean? Just like the crowd response, <laughs> uh, people love. Love, love, love Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Ashton Eaton, you know, world's greatest athlete. We've said it over and over again, but I'm going to give the edge to Marcus Mariota.
0: I think that's a really good way to look at it is at this point, once you've made it to the final four of this bracket, obviously your your greatness precedes you. I mean, there's, there's no arguing that you're not a, one of the greatest ducks of all time, but if you leave it up to who fans have the most passion about and who fans have the most love for, I think it's got to be Marcus. I mean, he, he represents an era of Oregon football that was the pinnacle. I mean, they're, they've been trying to reach that point. I know they didn't win the championship. They got incredibly, incredibly close. But they've been trying – the Ducks have been trying to get back to that point ever since. And uh, they've come up short a few times. I, I know that they're on a – we would all agree on a good trajectory to get back there at some point. But he, he represents that golden era, and he's got that Heisman Trophy, and he's what – I know Dan Landing and a lot of Oregon coaches use in recruiting pitches, saying, "Hey, this is this is what we can turn you into at Oregon if you come here." So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's deserving that he gets into the championship. I would vote for him as well. Uh, it feels incredibly tough to leave Ashton Eaton out of this. Cause so many, you know, Olympic medals, records, one of the greatest athletes in world history. But yeah, I feel like Marcus deserves to be in the in the conversation for the championship. On the other side, Sabrina Ionescu and Steve Prefontaine. Go ahead.
1: Man, I mean, this is this is really, really tough. This is really, really tough because you just think about they're such both mythical figures in the University of Oregon. The, the, the stories you hear about people, you know, everybody's got a story about Sabrina. Everybody's got a story about Pre if you lived in Eugene during that time. You know, my mom has stories, you know, about Prefontaine and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's, they're both such legends in the Oregon community. For me, I'm going to use just as a tiebreaker again, just, well, no, because man, overall impact again, Prefontaine Classic, track and field, everybody <laughs> running, but. But,
2: all right. Yeah, no, jump in, please. jump in. Yeah, jump quick. in. Yeah, that's a good one to jump in. <clears throat> the, the whole Prefontaine Classic, pre-trail, all of these things were, took time. For it yeah. to be called that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And <clears throat> we haven't necessarily had that much time yet. And what sped up also those things being called those things was a a drunk driving accident, a single car drunk driving accident. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it while it is tragic, <clears throat> it is also is like extremely irresponsible and self inflicted, and th- th- that it was that tragedy that sparked those things being called that. So. To say that that's a bigger impact than Sabrina, I might push back on because oh, the Sabrina that, yeah. statue could still be built. You know, oh, what and I mean? it will be.
1: I think I'm pretty confident that it will be. So again, with with all of that said, with me him and Han going back and forth, she's the mother of ducklings, man, the mother of freaking ducklings. So yeah, I got I got to move Sabrina on.
0: I did not expect Shane to come out as a, a Steve Prefontaine hater in the, the final <laughs> four. <This is> just <laughs> We got so far with him singing his praises, like, well, he was drunk driving. I don't know, was this guy all he was cracked up to be? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, he, obviously he
2: was. And like, like you said just a moment ago, to make the, the final four here, we, we, we have to start nitpicking, you know what I mean? Or we can't just have a, a four-way tie here at the end. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give Sabrina the nod too because I just think that you know it was there was the success, the story is still going, the things can still be built. I mean, if we if we named a stadium after her, you know, after Matthew Knight or whatever, if that ever happened, I don't know, whatever. Hypothetically, it could be Sabrina UNESCO Court. You know what I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. All of these things still are yet to be determined with her career. Whereas Prefontaine. The abrupt ending to it kind of gave it more of an allure, yeah. um, but there was there there is some dark stuff in his story though.
0: There is. I my vote would have been for Prefontaine. Sabrina's moving on. I have zero issue with that. I think she's very deserving. We've got an awesome final between Marcus and Sabrina. Prefontaine, I think to me, just he's so much of what Oregon is, and I think Sabrina is a lot of what Oregon. Is going to be and will continue to be. She's kind of that new era um, figure in Oregon lore. But Prefontaine, I mean, going back, my generation, JD's generation, my parents' generation, yeah, yeah. all of these, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows and loves Prefontaine, and he he means so much to everybody. And I mean, when I was in, I went to first two years of college in Colorado, and people who hated Oregon, like they just they hated all the jerseys and all the Nike and everything. They would wear like. Steve Prefontaine shirts, if they were runners and stuff, like they still liked Prefontaine, and that meant something to him. So, he would be my vote. But I completely understand Sabrina, and I I like that we still got her in there. All right, our final JD era. Man, <laughs> jeez, jeez, Killing I had you. to get that Killing shot. At me. Yeah, no, that's all right. That's
2: all right. That's all right. That was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, our final matchup of the day, our championship matchup in the Oregon Ducks' greatest player of all-time bracket. We have Marcus Mariota against Sabrina Ionescu. This one's really, really, really tough. I still don't know which way I'm going to vote. I'm going to take the next minute while you guys talk about this to think and get my deciding factor. Do you guys want to do something where we don't... I kind of want to do something where we don't have someone then someone and someone we all say our answer at the same time or something oh wait
1: like we can all text it or something like that i like yes, that yes let's all
0: will text let's do that now the same
1: time all right everyone
0: type your answer and don't send it we'll send it on on three or three two one you guys ready yep i'm ready three two one send oh let's sabrina yonescu is your winner <laughs> <laughs> jd and shane voted sabrina i voted for marcus all right take it away why why is she the greatest duck of all time
2: i i mean we kind of talked about it earlier i mean we've you know we've we've broken down each of these athletes i think pretty well over the past couple hours here <laughs> uh but i think the, the one thing that stands out to me is what sabrina means to the sport in general and to like just, just like from women's basketball um I don't know if there has been a figurehead. I mean, Diana Taurasi, like I mentioned before, but like I think Sabrina really elevated the sport to the mainstream level more than any other player. And I don't think we can say that about Marcus. Like like Zach said, he's probably one of the greatest college football players in the last 20 years. But is he one of the most important college football players of all time? And I think that Sabrina, we can say that about. And I think that that's where I'm going to give that edge
1: that was much more eloquently put than i can that was that was yeah. yeah encapsulates my argument really well the only thing i'll add is again just the well no i mean it's just you're the overall impact you know just the absolute overall impact and what they mean to their individual sports i think marcus had the opportunity to be that kind of transcendent player but unfortunately in this timeline as you play things again if you run marcus's career 100 times this is probably like, what, the 65th percentile, 70th, you know, mm-hmm. if his NFL career, if he doesn't have that nerve injury in his shoulder, if he doesn't land in frickin Tennessee where they try to play exotic mm-hmm. smash mouth, you know, who knows what his career could have been. But Sabrina's doing it. And Sabrina's in New York landed in a perfect market. She is not only a basketball star, but becoming a just media star. You know, with just her marketability and everything else to go along with it. So yeah, I'm I'm very confident. And this was the matchup I would have predicted uh pre mm-hmm. pre tournament. And uh pretty confident in my answer of the mother of Ducklands.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean I was I was very close to writing Sabrina too. I didn't know who I was gonna <laughs> type until my fingers started typing out Marcus. And you know, I you guys understand why I picked Marcus. I absolutely understand why you picked Sabrina and I think the what really gives me a lot of Confidence that she is a, a very appropriate answer is like you said, her career is kind of just beginning. I mean, I think Shane would agree that she's probably going to have one of her best seasons this year, and you know, both st- statistically and you know, overall achievements in the WNBA. Their team is getting better, they're on the rise there, and so she can be she has the chance to go down in WNBA history as one of the greatest players of all time. Marcus isn't going to do that in the NFL. I, I know his career could still see a renaissance down the road hopefully we all hope that happens but he's not going to be you know a pro football hall of fame quarterback so um i think it's great i think it's a great answer that we got to sabrina um i think that yeah she was a heavy favorite coming in i mean if you were to look at the top four seeds i yeah she's her phil knight i thought would be the the one or two but i'm kind of happy that we got phil out in one of the earlier rounds that that makes sense um, do you guys have any closing thoughts on the bracket before we get out of here? No, I mean, I, I
2: think that final four is, is there's a lot to be said about those four athletes and the fact that we pick Sabrina to be the outright winner. I don't think takes anything away from the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to pick against Marcus and we're probably going to catch some shit for that just because it's a non football player that's going to win it. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that – I think it's the right call. But I think that the final four, getting those four right, I think was more important than actually picking the winner in this one.
1: Yeah, I would just say I'm proud of us. I think uh, mm-hmm. having a women's basketball player win a bracket like this uh, does say a lot. And I think it just shows how relevant – as my dogs come in here to attack me as I'm trying to podcast <laughs> – um, just goes to show just how impactful and how relevant and how she's transcended – you know, this idea of just women's sports, and now she is a sports star. She is a sports figure. You know, she is is someone that entire Nike ad campaigns are being created, you know, getting her own shoe, you know, all these kinds of things that are just going to continue her relevance and hopefully dominance of that New York market.
0: Absolutely, I agree. This was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for coming on to do this with me. It was uh, very, very enjoyable. I'm glad that we actually... This can't really be... Done again in the future. I was saying, like I'll have you on next year to do another bracket." Just like I don't think we're ever going to go through the Oregon Goat of all time. So, yeah. maybe um, we're all still again. doing this in like fifteen, twenty years. <laughs> yes, maybe we'll revisit it. Yeah, a part two of the bracket. Uh, if you guys don't already listen to the Flock Pod, JD and Shane do a great job breaking down Oregon sports, Oregon basketball, professional sports with uh, you know products and everything like that. So, um, I've had an awesome time being on with them. I know that. Um, I'm probably going to come on again soon as we get into spring ball. We've got some stuff we're cooking up. I'm going to let them announce that, but um, you know, this, this has been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed our partnership together. So thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having us, man.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: All right. That's it for today's podcast. Again, thank you all for tuning in and going through the bracket with us. I've got multiple stories about the bracket going up on Duckswire this week. And I've also put out the original uh, unfilled out bracket on Twitter if you have any interest, I encourage you guys to, to fill that out how you see fit and send that to me uh, on Twitter at Zachary C Neal or at Ducks underscore Wire. I would love to see who you guys think is the greatest Duck of all time. I probably won't be coming back to you guys with another episode until next week, likely with a guest, but then we will have had the Pac-12 tournament for uh, the men's team end, and we will know the fate for both the men's team and the women's team, whether it's the NIT or March Madness. At the moment, the women are right there on the bubble with the chance to get in. Uh, The men will still need an, uh, I guess, improbable run down in Vegas to get in. Uh, But we will see. We'll know by the next time I'm on here what's going on with them. On top of that, we officially get spring football back next week in Eugene. The Ducks start practice on Thursday and Saturday. uh, And Oregon's Pro Day is on Tuesday. So we will get into all of that. If you want more information on when the Ducks are practicing and the practice dates, I've got that whole entire schedule up on Duckswire. Um, As always, thank you guys for tuning in. You know where to find all of my works at duckswire.usatoday.com or at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy.